everybody, and welcome to Post Credit Conversations, a movie podcast where we believe that a film is only as good as the discussion it inspires. My name is Kale Prindle. And I am Slade Lane. How you doing there, Slade? You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Feeling good. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> We're here and I mean, it's 2021. How's that going so far? Some things are good, some things not so good, but you know, uh, otherwise... Personally, I'm doing good. Personally. Well, that's all that's really important right now, isn't it? So that's that's good. It's the that's only good. thing that's going to have to be. Uh, all right. <laughs> it works for me. Down a, into a dumpster fire. So. All right. Well, uh, welcome, everybody, to our first official episode of the year. It's exciting to be starting year two. We are glad you're here and checking us out. Um, we're going to be doing a few things different over the next few episodes, only in that... Um, while looking through all of last year's episodes, we find out that, I don't know, what, a third of each episode is us just rambling about stuff we've seen without having any yeah. guided or focused discussion. And even though I think some of that's a lot of fun, we're going to try to scramble that up and stay a bit more focused on on our movies and those conversations. And all of our what have you been watching lately, we'll probably take those and make those their own episodes. It's just round up something yeah. episode so a little bit different uh and now i'm just burning time because it feels weird to jump straight into a movie already yeah well you know what we could do before we jump in what Try could we out do a new segment slade's got a new segment everybody i got a new segment cue some kind of music to introduce a new segment this new segment we're going to try out maybe uh, once or twice here, see if it sticks, is called Production Notes. These are just some quick notes on different elements of film and cinema, whichever word you choose, that I'd like to highlight every week. Uh, so our first, set of production, our first set of production notes this week is on diegetic sound. Ah, Yes. I really did not expect you to use a term that I did not know what it meant. Well, that's why we're doing it, isn't it? Uh, Here we go. To, to help educate everyone. So, uh, diegesis, in case you forgot, Kale, <laughs> comes from the Greek meaning narration. Diegetic sound happens with the narrative of the film. Noise, dialogue, music, and really any ticker tack that can be heard during a scene. Think of what the characters on screen can actually hear. Batman hears the Joker question Gotham's morality. Robert De Niro hears his soliloquy of, are you talking to me? And characters hear Darth Vader's ominous breathing while in the Sith Lord's presence. All the sound is what could be audible on screen to the character during a shot. It's a specific type of sound. And it's called diegetic sound. Uh, sounds heard outside the narrative that exists on another plane only heard by the audience is called non-diegetic sound. So film scores, narration, and even sounds not present in the scene all count as non-diegetic sound. Amazing as it is, Indiana Jones doesn't know when to be heroic. Gail, I don't know if you knew that. Uh, what? He, I know. He is not acting to the cue of John Williams' score. Uh, the swells and crescendos of the orchestra are happening for the audience, not the characters in the film. It's not like he has this film score running through his head like we do when we watch him. So that's happening outside the narration that's in the film. It's a little heady how sound works. Uh, so... 
Diegetic and non-diegetic sound work together to create scenes and evoke different emotions, and it is accomplished through sound production and editing. It can make you feel like you're walking down the street, or that you're, you've floated off into nirvana, depending on how that sound is mixed together. Uh, there's also something called internal diegetic sound. So like when a character's monologuing to themselves in their head, that would be considered diegetic because they are talking to themselves, even though it's a voiceover narration. So something to keep in mind of how sound works in a movie. And that's why I, had to I learned on, a thing on, on production notes this week. I also All have right. a specific example that I'm going to bring up in this movie related to non-diegetic sound. Oh, well, fantastic. Well, then later on. So you'll know what I'm talking about. (laughs) Okay, okay. well, we're going to move on uh, and we're just going to jump straight into this week's movie. Paddleton, (laughs) not Paddington, not. No, this one does not have a sequel. (laughs) No, yet. (laughs) Yet. Uh, That'll be funny in a minute. But anyway, (laughs) let's get to the good stuff. Slade, right. tell us about Paddleton. Let's do it. Um, Paddleton is a movie released on Netflix in 2019. It's directed by Alex Lehman. It's written by Alex Lehman and Mark Duplass. Um, Duplass? Duplass. No idea. No idea either, but you might know him and their production company, the Duplass Brothers, uh, from such films like uh, um, Safety Not Guaranteed, I think probably one of his other biggest movies. Very big in indie. So this movie, Palatin, tells about Michael and Andy, two middle-aged men, uh, Andy played by Ray Romano and Michael Thompson played by Mark Duplass, uh, who are just going through middle age together. They work very uh, mediocre jobs, but they have struck up a friendship and live in the same apartment complex right above or below each other, depending on who you're talking about. Uh, they spend their days making pizzas, watching the same kung fu movie, um, sometimes different ones, doing puzzles, and playing a game called Paddleton that they made up, which is basically like wall ball, but with paddles. And then they have a giant trash can that they try and sink it into every now and then. And they Right, I pictured out. it like a racquetball plus basketball. Yeah, yeah, maybe that. Um, Either way, it's a game they play. Uh, The scene, uh, the movie opens with Michael being told he has terminal cancer and Andy questioning what they can do. Um, And then the movie goes on from there of their friendship as they deal with Michael's terminal illness. I think that's okay. where I'm going to end. I think everything else comes All right. in, in the conversation. <laughs> All <laughs> so, right. Sounds good to me. So, uh, Kale, what was your some first impressions of Paddleton? Well, you know, the thing about a movie like this, if you start it and you're like, I don't know what this movie's going to be about, you find out in the first line of dialogue. The very opening line is basically... So we were looking at your results and you've got cancer. <laughs> that's like the, it's a paraphrase. Yeah. That's basically the first line in the movie. And so you're like, oh, well, this will be a good time. Um, yes. 
But it, and this oh, is a film God. that from within those first few minutes establishes itself with whatever we think an indie movie feels like. It's this movie is quiet. It's not flashy. Um, you just have these two guys that from the beginning, you're wondering like, what exactly is your relationship? And they keep that kind of ambiguous for a little while because yeah. even within that first scene, the, the doctor talking to them is like, what is your relationship? And they're like, Oh, sorry. I'm his neighbor. I live on top of him. Mm-hmm. And as you're looking at these two men, it's like, okay, are they in a relationship? Was that a joke? Is this something they're ashamed of? What is what exactly is going on? But as far as the tone of this movie, it it takes off not with whimsy by any stretch, but definitely with a sincerity that seems to work really well in indie film that we rarely get in mainstream big budget movies. And I yeah. really appreciated that. That's where yeah. I'm starting from. Nice. No, I would agree. Uh, you kind of know what this movie is about the very moment it begins, and you're just like, oh. It's it's like one of those movies that uh, a friend tricks you into watching, like, it's a comedy. <laughs> and then it starts like that, and you're like, this isn't funny at all, um, unless you have good friends, and they're like, this is hilarious, let's keep watching. Um, yeah, because this is a funny movie. It's got a lot of is. funny moments in it. It really um, does. Um, yeah, no, uh, watching this... Um, I tried watching it at one time. I didn't finish it. I was not in the mood to be sad. And it's kind of one of those, you know, even even with it being funny, it's like, this is not going to end funny, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and so upon this watch, you know, it, it establishes its premise very quickly. And you do have to kind of dig through some of the ambiguity of their relationship, even some of the tone of the movie of like, okay, is this a friendship movie? Is this this a movie about death? Where does it land? Is it trying to tackle all of them in an hour and a half? You know, and some of that it does very well. Some of it maybe not so well. Um, So, yeah, that's where, where my first impressions were. Yeah, and I'll like I'll take that as a jumping off point. I think there's one thing that this movie doesn't do quite not real well, and that is that even though it's only 90 minutes, mm-hmm. it does feel at times a little bit repetitive. Yeah. I think we do hit a point that you you stop short of saying this, but this is what really the entire plot is about. So, Michael <laughs> has cancer. <laughs> the doctors tell him that they um um, Michael has cancer. <laughs> so, yes, we know that Michael has cancer, and he's talking to his doctors. He goes to see several oncologists, and they all tell him there's really nothing we can do about it. Um, you're you're going to die. Uh, and they give him the opportunity to fill a prescription that will allow him to kill himself peacefully. And he tells Andy, I'm going to do this. And I want you to be with me when I kill myself. And to, to fill this prescription, none of their local pharmacies will do it for moral reasons. And so they have to drive six hours to the closest pharmacy to fill a prescription that Michael can use to kill himself in a peaceful way. And that's where the most of this movie really takes place because we see them going on a road trip together, staying overnight somewhere together, having not 
not real conversations, but like they're very open about what's happening, but they're not mm-hmm. having conversations about what each other are actually thinking and feeling about it. But it's very clear that where, where Michael is saying, okay, I I'm done. And this is a thing I want to do. It's very clear that Andy is not ready for this yet. Yeah. And yeah. that's why this movie is very good because yeah. it explores this dynamic. What if somebody is ready to go and the people around them are not, we'll talk more about that later. But I think that over the hour and a half, since that's just kind of the push of the whole film, there are moments where I feel like it spins its tires from time to time and it's not moving forward that they have similar conversations often enough that it feels a little bit repetitive Yeah. Um, from time to time. And that's a bummer, but also, it, I mean, it doesn't destroy the movie by any stretch, but I think that's probably one of the only things I can look at to be like, mm, I don't feel like that did that great, such as... The number of times that Michael falls asleep and Andy thinks he's dead. <laughs> and it might only be that it happens twice, but once would have been enough, you know, yeah. because it, the movie yeah. keeps setting it up like, oh, my goodness, maybe he's already dead. And when it happens again, it's like, OK, we've, we've seen this happen. I don't, I don't feel anxious about it right now. Um, but anyway, those are small quibbles that I just want to get out of the way early. So there's that. No, I, I, I think that's a very good um criticism of it because it is an hour and a half and it it's partly something that makes this movie I think very unique and good but like you said it makes it very repetitive because it doesn't yeah. it restrains itself from going into different areas that I think we've already seen before so that's why I think is really good um there is kind of the ambiguity <sighs> Just for the people who know or meet Michael and Andy, like, are they in a homosexual relationship or not? Which is like, uh-huh, okay, kind of funny. But, you know, <laughs> since we we as the audience know pretty right away that, yeah, no, they're just friends, you know, there's not really anything to explore there. There's also a thing about um, Andy kind of not having confidence to, to go out and date, but that's never explored much past the point of like, yeah, uh, there's a scene when they go six hours away to the town to fill out Mm -hmm. the prescription or they're at the hotel and one of the hotel managers joins them in the jacuzzi and he kind of freaks out. And there's this kind of social anxiety thing that Andy has that becomes apparent, but we don't, the film restrains itself from making it about Andy. And I think that's good, but it makes for a very long 90-minute film. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it does take itself away from Andy. I think this movie is possibly more about Andy than it is about Michael. It it is. Just because of how we see see a lot more processing done by Andy than we see processing done by Michael, I guess. Well, let me explain, because what I mean is it makes it instead of making it more about Andy, I think a a film we've already seen before, like this one where friends dealing with someone dying, it would then become a movie about how can we fix all of Andy's problems? Um, I'm thinking of a movie like 50-50, mm-hmm. where it is, it is the same movie. It is someone dealing with their friend who has cancer and death. It ends much more happily but it then becomes yes, it about all of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's other problems, like with his girlfriend and other things. And 
it it takes those two extremes of just like instead of looking at Andy in this movie and saying like, oh, he's socially awkward. Now through his friend's death, he's going to learn how to not be socially awkward so he can be okay after he dies. The movie doesn't do that. It ends True. before going off those rails. And okay. He, he, it keeps it more even with, this is about Michael 2. <laughs> I'll say 2. Not completely, yeah. but 2. Yeah, it is about both of them. You know. uh, and, and you're right, because there's not some magical transformation for Andy by the end no. of this film. The last scene of the movie is still really awkward and strange. And yes. Andy is sort of maybe seen as breaking out of his shell. And I think there are some indicators that he is going to continue yeah. to grow from here. Um, mostly sure. by use of his hat. Um, <laughs> yes. But he's still super awkward. It's not a magical transformation. So uh, exactly. yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah. And I guess I said that because Mark is not Mark. That's the actor's name. My, yeah, Michael. Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Michael played by Mark. Uh, Michael, like I said, we don't see a lot of his processing no. this, which I we, we, I can't remember what he did for a job. I know he has one. It shows it at the beginning of the movie, but I'm like, was it at a grocery say, store? I don't even know. I want to say he no. rents movies or No, no, no. Print shop. Copy? That's what it was. He works at a print shop like print a shop, yeah. like a Kinkos or a FedEx or something. Yeah, okay, yeah, never yeah. mind. Found it. <laughs> Gives me nothing important to say, but uh, no, you know, no, we barely see anything about Michael's life. We do see a little bit more about Andy's. We see him go to work more frequently. Yeah. Uh, and we see him just really struggling with this more. He's, yeah. you know, him going out to buy the safe to hide this medication yeah. in so that Michael can't kill himself. Um, him practicing his halftime speech, which we'll definitely have to talk about a little bit later. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's this guy processing things and he does move on. Like at the end of the film, definitely, he's playing Paddleton by himself um, and seems fine with it. You know, this is a thing he's going to do, and it doesn't. His world doesn't come screeching to a halt, but also it's not magically transformed either. So yeah, yeah. that does make it different. Than, okay, I'm with you. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I would say it's a lot more about Andy. I would say that, but where where I do find this being at least more interesting than a, a similar movie is we don't get a grand transformation of like he walks mm-hmm. out of his apartment after uh, Michael's died and a narration of, ah, now I'm going to live, uh, foreshadowing. But anyway, I'll let, I'll let the people listening figure that one out. <laughs> it's embedded now in the episode. Yeah, um, yes it is. So, so yeah, uh, I, I'd like to launch off from that because you brought up um, the, the safe that Andy buys when they go to... Um, get this medication, this basically assisted suicide medication or what becomes an assisted suicide right. for him. It's it's just this cocktail of like a hundred pills that he drinks and he dies. <laughs> um, yes. It's anyway, we'll get there. But um, when they go out to this town, uh, there's this hilarious exchange <laughs> between, um, Andy, Michael, and the pharmacist. Because um, Andy, right, again, it is him processing this. He's trying so hard to not talk about it with anyone, even though everyone 
but him for some odd reason knows like he knows but he doesn't want to know what's happening he's like oh i need to we need to see this guy this is who we talked to right that becomes mm-hmm. the butt of the joke of this interaction but it's like they all know <laughs> what's going on here but he's trying to make it seem like it's not happening um and then he eventually during this uh exchange you know they go back to the hotel michael falls asleep because you know cancer and he goes back to the pharmacist and he buys this safe um which is a very i mean it's a very obvious film move i think in this but it is a very interesting visual for what's going on in this movie of buying the safe putting the thing his friend needs and saying, I'm safeguarding this now. Right. And I'm not going to tell you the code. (laughs) Right. I'm just like, Oh, this, this is going to end up in a blow up. So, so this is what's kind of fun about this movie. Like it uses its symbols and its imagery in ways that are not difficult to understand, but I still think are very effective. When he buys this safe, I didn't even recognize it as a safe when he picked it up. I thought he had found, like, an easy-bake oven. Like, he was going to go make mini pizzas to watch kung fu movies in the hotel room with his friend because that's what they always do is eat pizza and watch kung fu movies. And then the reason I thought it was an easy-bake oven is this thing is bright pink. Mm -hmm. It looks kind of cheap and flimsy. Um, And then he gets it there, and then you find out it's a safe. And the bright pink thing, I mean... Again, it's not complicated, but this thing that looks like it's made for a child and Andy is acting in immature ways around his friend having cancer. Ways yeah. that make sense, but they're still not mature, right? He's not taking it on. And he tells <laughs> I love their argument, their their big fight in the hotel lobby. To which the person working says nothing, which is also weird. Uh, But they start screaming at each other because Michael's like, it's my medication. And Andy's like, but I paid for it, so it's not. (laughs) But he didn't pay for it because his credit card was declined, right? So he's trying to find all of these things. And he can't – of course, he gets eventually to the core of the problem, which is, you know, I'm the dying guy is what Michael keeps saying. And then Andy's like, and I'm the other guy. Yeah. Which which does do this really – what I think this movie so great about a, a good exploration of what it means to be a survivor after someone, you know, dies mm-hmm. and to though he's going through this in immature ways. That's the most we get a, a, a full expression of why he's acting this way is he doesn't know how to cope with this. He's not ready to cope yeah. with this. Um, and so he's kind of doing these manipulative moves, some of which are intentional. Some are probably not when he, offers to buy the medication. I don't think he's trying to be manipulative. I don't think he's got a master plan to say, this means I can say it's mine. I think he's just like, I need to be extra nice to my friend because he's dying. (laughs) Then he can't make it happen, which is one of the funnier things that happens in this movie. It's a very entertaining uh, scene. But then to see it all come together and you say, no, it's not yours. It's mine. And you don't get to have it yeah. Uh, because I'm the one who, and he, again, he never says because I have to deal with your loss. Um, but we see, I don't necessarily want to call it selfishness, though that I think that label could certainly fit. But just this exploration of a grieving process, and that's what I've never seen. I thought about 50-50, but 50-50 never 
felt like this. 50-50 no. is very much about uh, the guy who's sick and what he goes through. Yeah. And this one is much more about the friend who's trying to come yeah. to grips with it. Definitely. I, I mean, it's one of the better scenes in 50-50, right, of <laughs> Joseph Gordon-Levitt thinking Seth Rogen is is selfish and then goes into his bathroom and it's like dealing with your friend with cancer. It, right. And that's one of the better moments in that movie, whereas this, it's like, hey, let's let's do that. <laughs> but the whole movie. But and the I think whole it, movie. But the whole movie. And I think it is really good. Um, <clears throat> no, I, I like the... The the uh, noticing it's a child's <laughs> safe, right? And I mean, that's what like it a, looks like. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and he's acting like a child, right? Um, and it's it's maybe one of the the most powerful kind of visual metaphor going on in this movie. I think. I mean, there's other great things. I mean, one more visual metaphor I kind of picked up on. It's it's very subtle, but it had to do with the pizza. Um, hmm. of when they, of when they burn the pizza. This is before they go to the town to right. get the medication. Like they accidentally burn the pizza, and it it's close to after they've kind of figured out this is what we're gonna go do. And Andy freaks out. Yeah, do we can't eat this? this. Yeah, yeah, we can't eat this. And it was just really good. I thought of. You know, another very subtle visual thing of like the pizza, the thing bringing us together is is burned. It's ruined. It's ruined. It's completely ruined. And I I did have an aha moment while watching was that's great. That's that's pretty good. Right, because Michael um, you know, is like, no, we we can still eat it. We, you know, he's like, we're gonna get through this and do it yeah. anyway. Well, and Andy's like, no, this is gross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. Well, and, and and the great thing is this, Andy. I think off the top of my head, you know, he finds another thing from the burnt pizza. From there, you know, he goes to the safe of because like he almost accepts the burnt mm-hmm. pizza there, which I think is really good. He's like, oh. Okay, you know, he relinquishes eating the yeah. burnt pizza when he relinquishes to go the six hours to get this medication. Because he's resistant to that as well. But, you know, that, that burnt pizza helped him. So <clears throat> Right. No, that, that's a really it, good call. And, of course, the Kung Fu movie is another thing that yeah. is drawn from a lot. This death punch, which, again, they're watching mm. the same movie. You do lose a little bit of time. Yeah. In this film, like you're not, I don't know exactly how many days or weeks pass overall. There's there's one indication at one point where it sounds like maybe quite a bit of time has passed, but it doesn't make explicitly yeah. known. But this movie they watch over and over again, um, which of course is the audience we get in small doses, you know. But when they explain it at the open mic night, which is a very bizarre but entertaining scene, <sighs> yeah. Um, yeah, we learn that you know this film that they're watching is. Uh, a guy who's fighting this kung fu master, and they think they're enemies, but they end up being, you know, friends or people who teach each other, and that becomes yeah. a whole metaphor as well for Andy and and Michael dealing with cancer itself. This seems like it's going to be a big enemy, and it's misunderstood at the beginning, and then as you go through the film and you find out that the the student has accidentally punched the master with the death punch, and the master's going to die. 
and then he feels horrible guilt about it and does everything he can to keep him alive, right? He's like, yeah. you cannot take three steps. If you take three steps, you'll die. So we see in the movie, he's like carrying his master yeah. around. Yeah. And then at the, by the end of the film, by the end of both the real film and this fake death punch movie, you know, he sets the master down. He takes a few steps and falls over and he accepts that this was my friend and, and we're done with that. You know, and, and that makes a nice, good kind of ongoing thing as well. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I, I think uh, obviously we got to go to the end now. How, how did you oh, no, feel? No, no. We got to we got to do oh. the hat. But no, okay, no, we'll do end, then I'll talk hat, because the hat is important to me. Oh, okay. But we'll do the end. <laughs> I, okay, the end. Sorry for interrupting. <laughs> no, it's okay, it's okay. <laughs> Let's end on the high notes of hats. <laughs> um, so, so, I don't have much to say about the the end of Michael and Andy's time, except that... This is one of the most bizarre slash uncomfortable things in recent memory I've watched. Okay. Um, like, we've watched a lot of shocking movies, obviously, in the time of our podcast. But, like, none of, them, <laughs> none of them shock me in the way this one does. Right. Um, just because of the time given to do it. And it makes sense for an indie film of just, like, we're there for the whole five minutes. <laughs> we are. We How'd are, you feel are. watching it? Were you crying? Were you just like, uh... I was what not happened? crying. I was telling my wife about this movie this morning because I watched it last night. And I told her, I'm like, you would love that movie and you would flood our house with your tears yeah. if you watched it with me. She's like, did you cry? And I said, no. Uh, but I don't know why. I think part of it is because I was looking at how it was shot and how it was done. I was kind of stepping out of the film to try to analyze it, which good is a idea. good way of, of saving yourself. Uh, yes. <laughs> so there's a few things I noticed that I enjoyed here. One, long shots. Very, mm-hmm. very lengthy shots. From the beginning of, well, first, actually, before he, he dies, he's like, I'm ready. Let's do yeah. this. From the moment he says he's ready, I think this film is so good. Because as much as he's mentally prepared himself, Michael, that is, as much yeah. as Michael's mentally prepared himself to die, he quickly realizes that he hasn't made a lot of other plans, right? Yeah. So he's like, all right, I'm going to take this anti-nausea medication. And then he finds out now you have to wait a full hour before you drink the yeah. drink. So now he has to sit and think about this for the next hour of, okay, then I have to die. They have a yeah. great scene where they go out on a walk. <laughs> yeah. And Michael says, would you like it if I came back to like, let you know, I can speak to you from the beyond. It was, it's so good. Yeah. He's like, no, why, why would you do that? Yeah. Um, really great. Then they get back and then he realizes there's other stuff he hasn't figured out. Where do what location in my apartment do I want to die? On the couch? No, couch doesn't on the floor? No, not the floor. It, it, it's you see him all of a sudden like, I don't want the pain anymore. Mm-hmm. But now all of a sudden there's something about the ceremony of how this happens yeah. that I hadn't thought about. And I thought that was really interesting. The long shot of Andy walking out of the bedroom to fill up the cup of water mm-hmm. I thought was really great. I think Ray Romano, who I think is one of the 
most gooberish people in the world. He's just the weirdest man. I have nothing against him. Just he's so <laughs> everything about him is awkward and strange. Yeah, like, that's just yeah, how yeah. he is, and it's perfect for this film. But yeah. for him to go out and fill this cup of water that we know is going to kill his friend. And that he's going to do it. He follows through and he gets just like yeah. those single tears coming down. And that's where I kind of stepped out and just watched him as an actor and tried to think, how do yeah. you do this as an actor? Uh, was really kind of interesting to watch. And then, of course, giving him the drink. Um, <laughs> and again, as much as he's mentally prepared, of, I don't want yeah. to feel pain and I want to die. But to have him start getting ang- anxious, which he didn't take yeah. anxiety medication because nope. he thought he wouldn't need it. He, de- he wanted to be in his right mind, he said. <laughs> yeah, and his right mind, as it turns out, is filled with fear and confusion. Yeah. <laughs> while, while Andy, who has been childish this whole time, not wanting it to happen, holds his hand and comforts him yeah. and says it's going to be okay. It yeah. is brutal. It is heartbreaking. It's amazing. I think it's incredibly <laughs> well done. Yeah. And I'm thrilled that he did not break out his halftime speech. <laughs> good point good point i, I didn't thinking, think of that you know he, i the halftime speech sorry we're gonna quick detour and we can jump back to that the yeah. halftime speech is great i love the speech we hear him practice it and so i'm waiting the whole time like is this what he's gonna say at the funeral when is this gonna come back and the way they bring it back is pointless which is great. Like pointless for the characters, but not for the audience yeah. because we find out Michael's already heard him practice this through the vents between their apartments. Yeah. He already knows it. And so he never brings it back up. They don't go for this sentimentality of yeah. of of the speech. And I loved that. I thought that was a great move. Um, the I love yous were great. That Michael can say he loves Andy, but Andy doesn't say it again until after Michael dies, I think is interesting and tells us more about that character and how he is often hiding from what he's actually feeling, that his maturity is not there yet. Just there's a lot in that scene. It's very good. Sorry, I rambled a while. Slade, (laughs) what do you got? I I, I think you uh, pretty much nailed all my feelings on it. Um, I don't know if I cried. Um, I was... I did pretty good detaching myself because I'm like, oh, goodness. But but it was not lost on me because, you know, it is lengthy. It's long shots, you know. Um, it, you know, and I was just in awe of the going for it nature mm-hmm. of, of that end of, you know, they establish it pretty early on. It's like, this will take five minutes and you close your eyes and you're gone. Yeah. And, and then to see them film it just yep. film it like that and you know it's so understated in a in a lot of it like even where they could have, you know michael could have gone more over the top or something like that they don't you know he gets jittery a little bit but it's very restrained yeah acting from both of them and you know no, it's really good. Like I almost had a moment of horror. I'm like when Andy goes to fill up the cup. I'm like, oh man, is he gonna, is he gonna spill it? Like or I sabotage almost, it or, or sabotage it down the drain it. Like, or something. Yeah, I thought you the know, same thing. And it's just like, no, he doesn't. And you know, just you know, it, it's an image thing again of just you know the friend 
there and you you get a bit of it of just the handhold between them mm-hmm. of just how hard it is and oh it's good it's good it's and very I think, good i think there was a, a great move to not do the halftime speech there because it would have ruined it it would you have know? ruined it but let's talk a little bit about it because it is a great halftime speech so the whole time yeah when andy's like i got this if i was ever a coach or if i write this speech a coach will pay me money to do this speech um while they're losing a game during halftime or whatever. And it's like, okay. And it seems like something he's just saying because it seems like Andy just says a lot of stuff. (laughs) He just rambles on a lot of things. Um, For instance, the the shirt that he makes for Michael, which is like a (laughs) hangman shirt. And he's like, is it fatty pork? It's not fatty pork. And then you find out like there is no correct answer. He's just made something up for the last two years, right? Yeah. (laughs) But when he's at the bar when they're in the town to get the prescription, he goes into the bathroom by himself and he just get delivers the halftime speech into the mirror to himself. And when you hear those opening lines of we're going to lose, <laughs> we're going to lose this game that hit me just as hard, if not more than the scene where Michael dies. Yeah. Because it is the most mature thing we see Andy say for most of the movie and it's a clear yeah. obvious connection to like it's a it's about football but obviously it's more about the situation that Michael's going through like we're gonna lose this this is not a game we can win and to have that acknowledgement was amazing and I loved how he just went and he's pointing out invisible players like you know you're gonna go on and you're gonna have this job and it's gonna be great and you're really awesome and you're gonna go on and you're gonna be great and of course him saying it to a mirror saying it to himself which is very cool as well yeah and then you see him try to like pull out of that, that which is like, but you're going to have a time later in life where you wish, man, I wish I could come back. Wake up. You're here. Let's go fight. You know, and it's like you yeah. see he has this vision. It seems that every game can be beaten with the right attitude. Yeah. And it, he started in a place that was honest of we're going to lose this game. But throughout the movie, we see him constantly coming back and saying, but we, if we have the right attitude or if I do the right thing or if I lock up the medication or, or if I do something, it'll work. Um, but that's not reality. That's not reality. Except for that in reality, Andy will move on and live the rest of his life. And even if he loses this game, which he does in the sense of his best friend will die, there's more life that comes afterwards. Yeah. And I just thought it was great. It was really great. No, I... I 100% agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. You want you, you want to move on to ratings? We'll move on to ratings, then I'll I, talk about I feel about like that's a perfect place to end. Ratings. Huh? Oh, <laughs> yes, yeah. the hats. I'll talk about my hat. Okay. <laughs> it's not even going to be that important, but for some okay. reason, I'm just like, okay, I'm I like, like I'm having a real hard time remembering the hats. And that's this. okay. I'm like, what I watched it more recently than you did, so. That, to that the ratings! All right. Um, so I, I really enjoyed this movie. Like I said, a little repetitive, but aside from that, I really liked it. It's yeah. it's the kind of of good indie movie um, that only indie movies make. Yeah. These quiet, low-key, not super quirky. Like there's a little bit of quirk, but it's not super. Because, yeah. I mean, indie films can go way too far. It's like I'm yeah. whatever, but... 
This one keeps it pretty grounded. Like I said, it uses a lot of metaphors and imagery that are not hard to track, and I think I could see some people criticizing it for that, like, okay, I get it, it's a little obvious or whatever, but I think it's all very effective because yeah. it fits in really well. It, it's not forced into this stuff. So, like, the hat that I keep talking about, um, Andy's always wearing his hat, and, and Michael steals mm. it off his head a few times, and he chases after him and gets his hat back. But then when they're on their drive to fill in this prescription, there's something new and weird that happens, which is Andy pulls his hat down over his face. And he's like, I can see perfectly. There's a tree. There's a car. There's a whatever. Right. And he's wrong and he can't really see. But he's like, I can see it. Um, And then as they're going through the town, he always has his hat on. Even when they're sitting in a hot tub, he still has his hat on. And to me, this just seemed like a, a, a simple connection of like, this is his armor or this is his protection of, of something like he blinds himself willingly. He keeps this on for some sort of protection because in the hot tub, even when the manager like is kind of seducing him and wanting to hook up and he just can't, he can't imagine moving and enjoying something for himself while his friend is sick. He pulls the hat back over his eyes again, but there is a change at some point when they're driving back from and they're very mad at each other. When they drive back from this town, by the time they get back and he gives Michael the code for the safe, he doesn't wear his hat anymore. No hmm. more hat for the rest of the movie. Yeah. And again, it's simple. Yeah. And it's not in your face, but it works. And I think that's what's so great about this movie is it takes a really strong concept that we don't see explored very often. Um, it does it with humor. It does it with you know, great sincerity and it doesn't go into a cheesy territory, which a plot like this could very easily do. Um, you know, I could think of if this was a larger budget movie, like in like a 50, 50, which isn't a huge budget movie, but yeah, it's, it's still Joseph Gordon Levitt. It's still Seth Rogen. They had some money behind it. And that's based on a true story, too. So it's not like, oh, he didn't die. It's like, well, the guy didn't die. So that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. But normally you would see a happier ending. And this one is just a a more matter-of-fact ending. And I really liked it. And I'm going to four stars. Four stars. Wow. <clears throat> I really nice. liked it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was having a hard time the whole time. I'm like, where is he going to end? I can't tell. I'm trying to keep how it mysterious. He's <laughs> um, no, um... You know, this has been on my radar for a while, ever since I saw kind of it floating on Netflix. And, you know, the initial trailer, I was just like, this looks funny Um, and serious. And, you know, I'm like, this premise is going to be very uncomfortable as well. And, of course, Ray Romano is a very quirky, not quirky. (laughs) It's not even really quirky. It's this awkwardness. He's awkward. Yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, when you do Everybody Loves Raymond for so long and then to transition into this kind of role, yeah, that hard, you know, 15-year transition that it took. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, this movie, you know, the there is a lot of simplicity in the visual metaphors it uses, um, but I think because it is such a simple relationship... You know, and it's it's from the get go. It's like, who is this? Oh, he's my upstairs neighbor. Mm-hmm. You know, it is so slice of life. I'm like, 
you know, that only adds to the weight of a lot of those metaphors in here and, and make it a very cool way to explore a friendship that ends in death. <laughs> um, I mean, it's probably the only movie specifically, I think, about assisted suicide I've ever seen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. where that's what it is. And it doesn't talk about it being that for most of it. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't. It's around the friendship. Right, they never And, call and coming it to suicide. terms with that, it's not about the morality of him helping him. It's right. about accepting that he has to help his friend do it. And, you know, it's a very... Uh, it's a different movie and it tackles everything so, so well. Some, some of it is things we've seen before, you know, using the Kung Fu movie metaphor running in the background, you know, that's nothing new, but some of the art stuff, like, like the safe, like the pizza, like the hats, like the halftime speech, you know, they're just clever, not new, but they're clever. Um, right. it, it's, it's a little too, too long in some of that, but not enough to make you hate it. Um, right. You know, I think it, it builds up to a very satisfying, uh, heart wrenching conclusion and, and just Ray Romano and Mark Duplass are, are near perfect, near perfect in this movie. Um, especially Ray Romano. Uh, he has just this subtlety in his acting that only he could pull off for this movie, I think. Um, So just on that, I, you know, I'm actually upping it because I'm like, well, if you went four stars, I'm going four stars. I was saying around three and a half, but talking about, again, two weeks have passed. It was probably four stars two weeks ago. (laughs) I had too long to think about it. Um, But no, it's four stars. It's four star movie. Fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> Good stuff. All right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, our next episode, we're both we're going watching. somewhere a little bit different and also not as different as you would think. Um, <laughs> our so next true. movie is on Disney Plus. It is the most recent movie. Um, I don't know if we've ever talked about a movie that came out like within a few months. So this no. feels like a somewhat of a new release. We're going to be watching Pixar's soul so find it on disney plus check it out and we'll see you back here as we have our conversation about that thank you so much as always for hanging out with us listening to us gab if you want to you know throw us something you could always track us down uh on our social media or whatever be like hey i saw a movie you guys talked about and it was good i'd appreciate that that'd be cool but whatever for now farewell good people and we'll see you next time Don't stop the talk after you walk out of the theater.